Welcome to the Black Then, Black Now podcast. We're giving you an insight into the conversations between generations, the ones you may have at a dinner table or on your living room sofa. From discussing changing dating culture to the persistence of racism in football, we're concerned about looking at change and continuity. What was it like then? How is it now? So, thank you so much for coming today. You're my first guest in the studio. So, thank you. Oh, for, thank you. wouldn't want it to be with anyone else. So, let's start by you introducing yourself. My name is Jawan. I'm a 19-year-old youth advocate from Brixton. Youth worker, musician, and yeah. Amazing. So... Mm, there's so many ways I could start this conversation but I'm gonna start with this so you said that having a mentor was a life changer why was that I would say when you're coming from certain environments it's a case where there's not always the right role models in place for young people growing up so it's easier to be able to go down the wrong path and I feel like for me personally having a mentor it's almost like a portal to the other side of things that you don't normally see growing up in them kind of environments. And there's a lot of teachings you take as well in so many different aspects because my mentor coming from a completely different background to me as well, alongside the fact that the way they grew up was different. And then they just teach me about other types of people that I may not have known about greater detail and aspects of life that I may not have known about as well. So yeah, it kind of distracts you from the norm of which youths would normally go down kind of thing. Mm. So yeah. It's interesting hearing you describe that kind of the benefits of having someone who has a different life experience to mm. you. Because normally mentors kind of have the same life experience and they kind of been there, done that, so they can give you that advice. Mm. So you would say you have preferred working with someone who is from a different environment than you. You think it's been better? Yeah, 100%. So, like, working with someone that's already been there and done that, it's not like you're oblivious to what's going on or what can go on. You live in an environment, you already know what's going on more time. And it's like, as much as there's value on those kind of people, don't get me, don't get me wrong, but it's like having someone from a completely different part or different walk in life, it opens your mind up to things that you wouldn't normally think about. Because like everybody knows right from wrong and what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. So it's like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not really anything new. But obviously having someone from a completely different background, different place, it's like, all right, cool, now you're taking on a lot of different new information. And you're like, oh, how can I now use this to better myself and to make the most of my time I have? So, yeah. So... I don't think we've even said his name, but yeah, who is your mentor and what were like the you, the new information that he gave you? So uh, my mentor, his name's Kieran Fapa. So me, well, I met him through um, an organisation called Inter University. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that place. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, I was at the Brixton Hill Centre from when it opened. Oh, cool. literally. oh so, I was yeah. Kennington. Okay, okay, okay. My mentor was, um, moving on. <laughs> you don't always hit the right one with them yeah. I can't lie he's like yeah it's pretty hit and miss but so my mentor when I first met him it was kind of strange because obviously 
him being from a completely different place to me, you do have that thought of like, are we going to get along kind mm. of thing? Do you know what I mean? Because like you've grown up knowing what you know, and then now someone's been drafted in, that will probably give you bad information, bad different information. You're like, okay, cool. How is this one going to work? At first, it was hit, it was kind of like, I was a little bit sus, I'll be real. I was a little bit sus. But as we started having our sessions, we started going through like different aspects of things. So first it was the reason he like was selected to be my mentor was because I wanted to improve in writing. As a musician, as an artist, it's like, I'm very critical with how I deal with my work. Mm. And it's like, I was always good at English and I was always like top set in English, but it's like there was one or two bits of bobs in terms of dissecting text that I, did, that I found hard. And that's why he was brought in because he was studying, like writing and stuff in uni. So when we met, kind of kicked it off with some writing stuff, started to realise we both had like an interest in music. And then that's what kind of formed like a nice little bridge between me and him. And then as the years have gone by, He's taught me different things about his like background and stuff, to different perspectives from different types of people. Um, so him being from a more, should I say, upper class background, mm. obviously he taught me one or two things about the way they might do things compared to the way we might do things compared to the environments we're in. And you taught me a lot of the basic skills as well, like even the simple time management, the organisation, all of that good stuff there. And I don't really know how to describe it all, but it's like, it's just been a very eye-opening experience. Mm. Kind of thing. So, yeah. Again, it's, when you said eye-opening, when you were talking, I was just thinking lenses. Tell me if I'm wrong, but the way I see it is like, you guys have come from different like environments and he, you're seeing things through his perspective and he can kind of see things through your perspective mm. am i just no, like... literally literally because it's like even for him it was kind of weird as well because he had never worked with any young people before me so i was the first person he ever worked with as a young person and so for him it was very it was pretty new as well like we were both new to it like really new to it because especially coming from environment i come from it's like you don't really trust adults because the adults, they're just there one minute and they're gone the next kind of thing. Do you get what I mean? So that like you don't normally get that support as such. So even like for, upon first meeting him, I didn't expect him to be around for long. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Because like they come and they go. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And you don't normally get that um, constant support that you would want. So yeah. And obviously I understand it because obviously everyone's got their lives to live. You can't just be looking out for young people 24-7. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. In the back of your mind, was that kind of like a what's in it for him? But mm, well, I mean, I've always been pretty open-minded, isn't it? So it's like, I just approached it with a very open mind and said, okay, let's see what happens. I'm mm. a freestyler, isn't it? I freestyle. I get that right? vibe. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's now move on to a different topic. Mm -hmm. And it's really heavy. I feel like the conversation is kind of before, like, so serious youth violence. Mm -hmm. Previous years, it's been a kind of, I think, a really big public conversation mm -hmm. it's been on good morning britain like you speak every day mm -hmm. and now to me i feel like on national tv it's kind of silent on that front mm. so what are the government doing on this issue is it like what we see on national tv like the silence is that also kind of what like there's no is that mirroring the government action basically so the silence on tv is that mirroring government inaction 
I mean, when it comes to like governing bodies and that, like, I don't really talk about them because they mm. don't really do much anyway. Do you know what I mean? That's just the sad truth of it, like. Yeah. And normally I would try and stay away from that topic of talking about governing bodies because it's like, they're not really doing much. And it's like a lot of these governing bodies, like members of these governing bodies don't actually step foot into these environments themselves to actually see what is going on. They just think, ah, oh, stabbing, bunch of years, gang violence. Mm. Funnily enough, not all the stabbings that happen are from gang violence. I know guys that have been stabbed and it was nothing related to gang violence. Do you know what I mean? So it's like there's this weird um, stigma around it and it's like instead of everyone actually, like instead of the people that have the power to going into these environments and actually finding out from community members what's actually going on, mm. they're just using whatever statistics they're using to try and figure out what's really going on when they could just go and do it themselves. But it's like, it doesn't connect with them on like a heart level because it's like, they're not necessarily being affected by it. Mm. And by nature, it makes sense in a sense, but at the same time, it's like, if you're claiming that it is that much of a problem and you really want to do something about it, why not take yourself into these environments mm. and find out what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, as much as a lot of the young people don't have trust in any form of, should I say, organisation because of the fact that they don't see anything getting done. And it's like there are people in the community that will talk to mm. you and tell you what's actually going on, but yeah. you guys ain't talking to the right people, so mm. you ain't going to get the right information, do you know what I mean? Mm. In terms of it being like broadcasted about I mean, you can broadcast about it as much as you like. It's not really going to do anything. Mm. Like, people can see it on TV. Yeah. A little 2 30 second minute clip. Mm. And then see filers. Da, 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 da. And then, boom, it's gone again. And yeah. no one really cares about it. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's like, yeah, that's how I feel about it, to be honest. Because in preparation for this interview, like, I was looking at previous videos from, like, years ago about, yeah, like, often on Good Morning Britain, talking about, they had it, I forgot what they called it, but it was, like, um, on the knife edge or something. Mm. Was it? Um, and, yeah, like, I often found that it was, they were quite, um, it's a serious issue, and they were kind of trivialising it by focusing on things like, obviously, the government's ridiculous way to tackle youth violence by using um, chicken boxes to have, like, did you remember basically they had um chicken boxes and they had like these stories of like people that were affected by youth violence but obviously again stereotyping by like yeah mm. which the obvious i don't know disgusting and and also the focus on like grime music how does grime link to youth violence <laughs> why don't we talk about the cuts to youth public services you know the school to prison pipeline school exclusions and i feel that kind of looking at like things like you know grime and linking that to youth violence is putting the blame on the individual when really and truly it lies in the hands of the government who have cut these services that support young people that there's no job opportunities what would you have to say about that i would say okay so as someone that works in schools yeah what do you do in schools so i'm a youth worker with part-time with a company called spiral we go into schools um so mainly secondary schools and we work with kids that are at risk of exclusion or believed to be at risk of exclusion. Okay, I'm going to start with the schools first. So in terms of the way I see the schools being run, right, most of these schools, especially like these academy setups, they're mainly institutes of business, not learning. So um, And personal development. Do so we have someone in mind like um, Harris Academy? 
Always? I'm not going to start okay. shooting because if I start okay, shooting, yeah. the whole clip's going to be empty by the time I'm done. Do you get it? It's going to be warfare. <laughs> so I'd say, yeah, most of these academy groups don't actually care for the students, which is one thing I've noticed. Mm. Like, don't get twisted. If you've got a school of God knows how many students, you can't cater for every little bit of their learning. Obviously, that's impossible, right? But there's little things you can do to get these kids to kind of harness the power of their mind. And one thing I have noticed working in schools is a lot of the kids don't actually understand the powers of their mind. It's like a lot of them are born with this crazy power. It's like them fictional superheroes. Where it's like they've got this soul, they've got this big, big power and now they're just shooting everything down and destroying everything because they don't know how to use it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And even some of the kids I work with, like I had to ask the TA the other day, I said, Miss, are you sure you've got the right students? Like, are you actually sure you've got the right students? These students, they're not causing us any issues at all. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, to see these kids in an environment where it's not the, like, normal standard sit down with a pen and paper and just write stuff off a board and that, when you see them hands-on doing things, it's like they start to realise stuff about themselves that they didn't know. So then they start to think to themselves, wait, hold on, now my self-esteem's gone up because now I understand that there's more to it than what these teachers are telling me. Mm. And now I'm understanding that I can actually do more than what I think I can do. Right, so now how do I use the rest of this to do something even bigger and better? And then next thing you know, the student's less of an issue because they actually understand themselves a bit more and they can actually use that to their advantage. Do you know what I mean? So that's it from the school point of things. But a lot of the kids don't get that kind of support that makes them, like, that allows them to use their out-of-the-box thinking. They're so institutionalised in the way they think because of the way the curriculum's set up, right? In terms of government cuts and the stuff that they feel like they are doing... Putting a bunch of extra police services on the road isn't going to do much. The reason I say that is because, I mean, guys are hiding their knives in bushes. Guns are being left at people's houses. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can, that, the amount of raids that happen, yeah, where nothing's found, you got my man just looking at you laughing like, well, I don't know what you thought you were going to find here, mate. And the next thing you know, Someone you know is actually on some serious stuff is now back out on the road again because you couldn't find anything because he's smarter than you lot, apparently. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the whole idea of putting extra officers out ain't going to do much because especially a lot of the officers, and yeah, a lot of the officers, yeah, especially in like more, should I say, okay, I'm going to bring race into it for a little bit, right? It has to be. Ah, cool, 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 cool. So in terms of most of these black communities, yeah, if you see some of the schools that are within these black communities, they don't actually understand the cultural backgrounds of these black communities, right? So because these teachers don't actually understand the cultures in which a lot of these young people are coming from, and us as black people, we're very expressive people, right? Yeah, like we're just very, very expressive people, yeah? It's like a lot of the kids are getting attention for the expression they'll be showing naturally, right? Which then makes them feel a certain way. And then next thing you know, they're being labelled as outlaw bandits because mm. they're doing whatever they feel like they're doing because you're now giving them a label as something or someone that doesn't fit in or isn't doing what you should be doing when all they're doing is expressing themselves. But in a way, that's a little bit different to the way they might express themselves. Do you know what I mean? That's one thing. Another thing is, 
with the fact that you're putting more police in these communities that don't actually understand these cultures further makes it even worse. It's like you've got all of these officers that are being drafted in from like places like Kent, um, I don't know, just bare far places in it, and they're just thinking, "Ooh, London, ooh, I want to try and be the superhero of London. Let me run to London real quick and be a police officer." Do you get what I mean? And it's kind of interesting because I actually got the opportunity to do community engagement with the Met. So they've got a task force called the VCTF, which is the Violent Crime Task Force, right? And they're, pan, they're a pan-London group. And when most of the stabbings and stuff happen, they're the guys that get called out kind of thing. And they're the ones coming in the TSG vans and blah, blah, blah. I actually got the opportunity to be able to literally comb through the whole of that Violent Crime Task Force group, like group by group through Microsoft Teams. And I did community engagement sessions with them on how to actually engage with the black community and in a way where it's not frightening for them and in a way where it's not frightening for us. Because what tends to happen is, cool, so a stabbing happens, you're your section 60 out, bad guys are jumping out of cars and jumping on newts. Oh yeah, we're searching you for this, 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 that. But it doesn't even happen like we're searching you for this, this, that. You just get grabbed. Yeah, normally you just get grabbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're handcuffed more slightly for no reason. And then you're being packed down and you now you don't even know what's going on. You've just seen a bunch of police cars pull up or one or two police cars pull up and now you're being surrounded by a bunch of officers. And bearing in mind, yeah, a lot of these youths are used to traumatic events happening, whether they're involved or not, they've probably seen some crazy stuff and they're thinking groups around me is not what I really want. And the next thing you know, guys are getting down for assault on officers because they actually don't feel comfortable and now they've just gone into fight or flight. Do you get what I mean? So it's like, that doesn't help neither. Because it's like the same people that are meant to be making you feel safe are alarming you for no reason. It's like, hold on a minute, what's going on? And another thing is the fact that even through a lot of the conversations I've had with officers, the use of force they do use, even when the force is a bit too excessive, a lot of officers don't actually have the courage to speak up in the moment of their colleague doing something a little bit out of order, mainly because of the fact that it may embarrass the police officer doing their job at the time. But I mean, you guys are meant to be a transparent force that keeps everyone around safe. So, I mean, I don't see why someone can't tell their colleague, like, bro, like, chill out, like, you, mm. it's not necessary. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, I can't lie to you. If I'm being stopped and I see officers do that, I'm going to respect the officer more, 100%. Because it's like, now it's gone from you're just a police officer to, oh, you're actually looking out for the peoples. Do you know what I mean? And I have met a lot of police officers that are genuinely down for the people, innit? But that doesn't show through the Met. Do you know what I mean? In terms of government cuts, they throw money where they want to throw money or where they think they should throw money. And as someone that's been invited to Houses of Parliament a couple of times, to hear what they have to say, especially when they talk about Grime and Joe music, it's the funniest thing on the planet. It's almost like walking into a massive room full of comedians. It is hilarious. I remember one time I was They're in- They're running the country, that's the problem. Literally, one time I went into House of the Parliament, yeah? And some guy was talking about Joe music, yeah? I couldn't help, but I started laughing a little bit. Who was the guy? I don't actually remember the oh. name. A lot of these guys, I just hear them speaking. It goes through one ear and comes out the other. Do you get what I mean? Because they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, all right, cool. I'm not really going to put energy to listening to what you have to say. But there was something he said that was kind of interesting. And he was like, all these guys making this drill music. Don't quote me, but along the lines of all these guys making this drill music, 
they're just causing more problems on the streets for other people kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, so now you want to blame art mm. for violence? Mm. Like the art is holding you by your neck and telling you, go and kill this guy or go and stab him or go and shoot him. And that's not happening. Because then it's like, if you want to talk about grime music and drill music, then we can talk about, oh, so what about these films that people watch? Oh, what about rock music? Mm. You get me? Like, there's so many different things you can go into. And I had to speak out and I say, well, I mean, music's a form of art. Like, you're not going to see someone that sketched out, I don't know, maybe a 12-gauge shotgun because they're into relics and they want to draft and they want to draw some gun from like 19-something. You're not going to look at them and say, oh, you're encouraging war by drawing a 12-gauge shotgun. You're not going to do that. Mm. And you're probably going to put that in the gallery and say, oh, I like the deal and I might want to buy that. And then you're going to buy that for God knows how much because my man just drew a little gun with details on it. But then you hear it in music now from a bunch of people with a background that you actually don't understand. And now you're going to say, oh, yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem because you just don't understand it. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of the people that complain about drum music don't actually understand what it does for some of these because look how many artists there are nowadays that do drum music mm. and they are now very successful human beings do you know what i mean i actually want to talk about that would you say it's true that a lot of young people or even yourself like do you want to be a, like a musician like full-time make that your career because i feel like that is one of the avenues that people see from these communities that they can make a really successful life for themselves 100%. So that, again, reveals the real problem at hand where there's lack of opportunity, there's lack of jobs, there's lack of opportunities for these young people. 100%. And it's like, okay, even me, for example, yeah, I'm self-employed as it stands, yeah? One of the main reasons I didn't go into uni was because, don't get twisted, uni is useful when you actually know what you want to do with it. Mm. But if you don't actually have, like, a plan of how you're going to use what you do in uni to get you into an actual like professional field don't really make sense and especially with my way of learning like I'm a very tactile like I have to do this and do that in order for it to stick a lot of these lessons and curriculums are very boring to me mm. so it's like I was the annoying kid in class because I just wouldn't shut up because I'm actually bored 24-7 <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. yeah and worse as a musician I'm tapping tables and that teachers can't really run their lesson because you got Jamal just tapping on the table and spitting bars do you get it and it's like the lack of opportunity there is for a lot of these people that don't actually, should I say, don't actually understand themselves fully. Yeah, it's like they're just going to go off and do whatever they feel like they want to do. And the next thing you know, they're an outcast. And then next thing you know, they're mixing with the wrong crowds because there was no one really there to actually show them like, ah, right, cool, you can actually do something. That's not the norm. Do you get what I mean? And... It's a strange one to have to deal with, especially me coming from that kind of, like, environment. It's like, it's kind of weird to watch as well because it's like there's so much young people that could be using their skills in much better ways, but because they don't actually have the opportunities to, they can't. Mm. And it's like, even for example, yeah, one example I use all the time, and I will never stop using this example, drug dealers, for example, yeah? Drug dealers, yeah, most drug dealers, I'd hope, yeah, they are very good at what they do, right? And there's a lot of stuff that goes, there's a lot of stuff mm. that goes into running a business like that. 
and remember the word business, they are actually running a whole business operation. They've got to give these middle class people their drugs, right? Literally. And it's not only business, yeah. It's not only business in terms of like, oh, okay, it's a little this, that, here and there. As in, they have to think about their profits, how much their stock's going to cost. Because it's illegal, they've got to think about where they're going to keep it. Like, there's so many different layers mm. to something like that, yeah. And this is one thing I say to police officers all the time, yeah. I say to police officers, so all these guys, yeah, that are some serious drug dealers, why don't you try and find a way to use those same skills in a more corporate world? A lot of them can't answer me because they haven't actually tried it, right? Which is kind of stupid because, I mean, if I've got a criminal in my hands mm. that I know is really good at what they do on the streets... I'm going to say, hold on, so how can we use those same skills in a way where you can make legal money and probably make even more? Now, what you've then done is got rid of that element of things and he's no longer a drug dealer because he's actually found a way to use those skills in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's still the same skills, but he's just found a way to use them in a way where it's more corporate. The only problem is with, like, say this person, this drug dealer, they get, yeah, sentenced to prison then that follows them on their record and then they can't get a job. And so I think it's true. They have amazing skills, but, you know, those, we shouldn't, those things follow them when mm. really and truly we should look at what are the causes that led them to go into that. Maybe was it like an opportunity, other causes. Um, mm. And actually, I want to pick up on something earlier that you said about schools and how the teachers don't understand the young people that they're working with. And I think that is very true. And the majority of teachers are white. And often in schools in London, the students they're teaching aren't white. So what would you think about, like, because young black people are more mm. likely to be excluded from schools. And I've in my school, I'll be like, there's a young, like, white kid in the class. And to me, they're wait, like they're doing mad things and they're, but they're, they're staying in the school. And why is that the case? Why is there differential treatment? Mm. And what do you think of the role of internalised racism, basically, um, and unconscious bias within, like, these teachers? And do you think there needs to be like a more of a strategy within schools to actually address that? Because I think it's live, it operates, but it's just allowed to continue because at the end of the day, it's easier for it not to be discussed. You know, it is, yeah. Okay, so the way I see it, yeah, everyone's equal in it, yeah. And why that's not reflected in schools, I have no clue at all. But it's not reflected in schools, but then they act like, if you work as hard as, you know, as hard as you can, you could do whatever you want to do. And I think that's why education is like, it's cruel because it preaches one thing but actually does something else. It's very hypocritical. Continue. Like Education very. is very, very, very hypocritical. Like it's a, it's a weird one. I feel like in terms of the strategies that schools could actually use to make their, whatever they want to call themselves, more useful, mm -hmm. I would say it's a thing where it's like they need to look into the way they teach, number one. And number two, look into themselves as people and understand that it's actually the next generation you are teaching. Do you know what I mean? It's like the kids that are meant to be running the world mm. when you lot are gone, it's who you're teaching. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, we ain't got the time to do the pick and choose oh, because he's white, we're going to look after him a bit better because they're black. <laughs> Whatever, they're going to be a problem anyway. We ain't got time for none of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's like... A lot of the teachers, yeah, it's just like, I don't even know how to put it. It's like, these schools are very good at taking freedom away from people. And they do it from in school, like, early. Do you get what I mean? 
and you're just like, instead of you, okay, for example, detention, for example, yeah? You put me in detention. It's not necessarily going to stop me from doing what the hell I want to do, right? You just kept me for another half an hour or an hour. I can still come back to your class tomorrow morning and cause a complete ruckus again for no reason. It doesn't address the problem that was, you know, causing whatever Literally. it was causing. And it's like, it's a thing where these schools need to be more transparent and reflective of the kids they're teaching in terms of, okay, we all know right from wrong, but try and understand why these kids are doing what they're doing in the first place because, like, kids will be kids, but they're not just doing some stupidness for the sake of doing stupidness, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, there's always some form of reason, whether conscious or subconscious, do you know what I mean? And it's like, a lot of the kids don't actually understand the disruption they may cause. Because to them, they're just being themselves. But like I said, they've got this power, they don't know how to harness. So it's like, they're just going to blow everything up along the way. Do you know what I mean? Which is obviously what the schools don't want, because they want to have whatever grades and stuff and blah 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 that they want to keep so they can keep getting money set put, pushed into their academy structure do you know what I mean and if you're a teacher yeah coming into somewhere like South London claiming you want to teach in South London mm. number one you are very brave yeah number one you are very brave yeah but if you're not going to mix that bravery with common sense and an open-minded approach to be able to understand the kids you're working with there's actually no point that there's no point. You might as well just stay within your community and teach within your community with people you actually understand that you can probably benefit more as well. Do you know what I mean? But if you come into a place like, if you're coming from somewhere like, I don't even know, you're coming from somewhere quay like Kent or somewhere, and you come into Brixton or somewhere or Peckham or somewhere, you think you're going to have it easy? No. And it's like, it's not easy for you like that because you're not used to these kind of kids. So now you've become a crazy powerhouse you're just flinging bare guys out of class, detention, exclusion, mm. isolation. Like, all you're doing is separating them from people that they really and truly should be around because a lot of these schools are multicultural schools. And the more you have different individuals from different cultures with each other, the more they will learn about each other, which is ideally what you want anyway, mm. right? So it's like, if that's what you want for these students ideally, so that they can actually have more of an understanding of how to go about life, what's the point of trying to separate everyone because one or two of them's causing problems? But it's not even problems they're causing, they, they probably just don't. They just don't mess with the way you're teaching and they're bored of you now and they don't care no more. Do you get it? So it's like, all right, cool. Let me forget this teacher because this teacher's on some madness and none of this is actually making sense to me. I'm probably not going to use it anyway. They're not showing me why I'm going to use it. So you know what? Dead all of this. And one thing I've noticed with kids, yeah, if they don't actually know why they're doing something, they don't want to do it. I'm the same. If I don't know why I'm doing something, I don't want to do it. I actually don't want to do it. So I mean, yeah, fling with them equations at me. Fling with them, them Beth texts at me. If I don't know why I'm doing it, I don't want to be involved. Yeah. Because I don't see how it's benefiting me. It's true. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then these teachers don't actually show you how it's benefiting you. They just say, okay, here's a curriculum, take it. Yeah. And it's even harder because, like, history, for example, when you're not represented, you're like, well, why am I learning about something that I don't see myself reflected in? Mm. Um, English. It goes on. But another interesting point you made about kind of how they isolate students and and detention um, and, and all these things, it kind of feels to me that they kind of give up on these children 
because it's true what use is that sitting silently you know outside of lessons missing education and yeah how is that actually acceptable how do we allow our kids in our schools to literally miss class when they're in school makes no sense you know i say these schools are lazy like they make it look like they put in some hard hard work but they're lazy like lazy are they lazy or do they have insufficient funds from the government and racism you know it is, yeah. You can throw as much fun okay, yeah, put it okay, put it this way, yeah. You mm-hmm. can throw as much fun in at these schools as much as you want, yeah. If these schools don't even understand the training they're working with, how the hell are they gonna understand how to use their funding? Mm. That's the first bit, right? The next bit is like, all right, cool. Put the funding aside for a second. These people as human beings that are interacting with other younger human beings, I mean, if you're a teacher, the idea of it is that you teach and you teach the curriculum and skills that will help that kid in the future. So it's like, if a kid's being disruptive, right, pull him aside and ask him, why is he being disruptive? Like, try and understand what's going on. I remember I got called out of science class one time because there was a student that was just causing a complete ruckus in his class. And all he wanted to do, like, I kid you not, all the kid wanted was a box of orange juice and a conversation where he felt listened to and he was fine again. I even got him to do work that he didn't even want to do. And it's like, if me as a student is then doing the job of the teacher, which is teaching the student how to actually use what they're being taught in everyday life, and bearing in mind, a lot of these kids have a lot of stuff going on at home, probably anyway, yeah, which makes it even worse because their brains like that. It's like they've got some heavy brain traffic, if you want to call it that, yeah? And it's like, it's almost like that I feel like, and there's just bare stress just being filtered through. And these kids don't know how to deal with stress as such. They don't know about stuff like meditation. They don't know about stuff like... that. They just don't know about this. And they're not taught it. Do you get it? Mm. They're not taught any inner self stuff in school as well. I don't understand why. Because me, I believe that human beings are very spiritual people. Right? And, yeah, naturally very spiritual people. And it's like we don't actually utilise it properly, which then cause further misunderstanding of ourselves. And it's like, these kids ain't taught anything about self. And like... Well, do you feel like they're, they are taught something about self, but it's kind of that they're not good enough? So like, if a child is kind of given up on, mm. and it's like, well, you're not concentrating, you're, and it's like that way of teaching doesn't fit for them. That's mm. nothing on them, but mm. the school kind of, makes it out that it is on them you are not normal and because of that we have to kick you out of the door goodbye see you later um good luck for the rest of your life not really because it's kind of bad luck for the rest of your yeah. life so i think i get your point but i feel like by giving up on these kids they're kind of yeah they are taught something and they're taught that they're not worth anything in a sense yeah and it's like then when that comes into play now they're feeling okay well i mean apparently i'm not really worth anything anyway so now i'm just gonna do whatever the hell i want exactly. because why not do you know what i mean and it's like, I don't see why that should be the case because honestly speaking, like especially with the kids I work with, they are some of the brightest individuals. And it's like, when I first met them, and I'm hearing, oh yeah, these lot of the kids that are at risk of exclusion. And I start to find out what some of these kids are getting in trouble for. And I'm like, huh? What are they getting in trouble for? Bro, there's kids, yeah. Like, okay, some of them just didn't want to come into school for mm. like, because they just didn't like the way lessons are being taught, number mm. one. Yeah, and like a lot of them, because of that, and maybe other stuff they've got going in the background, they'll move certain ways in school that the school doesn't like. 
Do you know what I mean? And then they'll get in trouble for it. Yeah. And it's like, but really and truly, these kids have some stupidly powerful brains. Like, some of them blow my mind. Do you get what I mean? And I think to myself, Solon, bro, as a school, all you've got to do is find a way to get these kids to use their brain in a way that works for them and works for you at the same time. What are you not struggling with? Because you lot communicate with, human beings communicate with each other. We have language. We speak English. Do you get what I mean? So it's like, if you always speak English, yeah, you lot can talk to each other about what needs to actually be improved. And here's the thing, yeah, all the people think because kids are kids that they don't understand, right? If you ask a kid, how can you improve their lessons? 100% they will have loads of stuff to say to you. Mm -hmm. Do you get it? And then here's the thing now. This is where things get a little bit messy, yeah? It's like, all right, cool. The school wants it done a certain way, but in a way where they can still have control over what's going on, right? And then it's like, because they still want to have control, they're still going to put their foot down a bit just to make it known that they're the guys that are still in charge. And then now what you get is one or two rebellious kids because they're thinking, wait, hold on a minute. You lot are meant to be helping me, but you lot are just moving mad because you lot are trying to be mad powerhouses. So then it's now, that's when the rebellion comes out in these kids because they're thinking, you lot think you're going to have control of me and you lot ain't my parents. You lot are hilarious. Do you know what I mean? That's what happens, you understand? And that was even me at some point, and it's like, oh, hold on. So you lot as a whole school is that you want to feel like you lot are going to have more over, man, because why? Because you lot are meant to be the guys running the school. Number one, you're not my parents. So I don't know what on earth you thought this was, but it's not that kind of party. And I'm going to show you, it's not that kind of party. And then what? I'm in isolation because why? I piped up a little bit because I didn't agree with what the teacher was saying. Do you know what I mean? And that's what happens a lot. This is true. Because we have this weird notion that teachers are always right when they're, they're humans, like, and really problematic humans sometimes. Like, in my school... Mm. No, yeah, so do your thing, do your thing, freestyle so it. So recently, <laughs> my school was in the news for a teacher saying the N-word in the class, yeah. And the thing is, it made news, but that happened when I was at school multiple times. And when you're a student, you feel like you're not in the position to say, that's not right, like, you can't be saying that. Um, when a student did pull a teacher up on it, they were like, oh, sorry. But there's no consequences for that teacher because the teacher has, you know, such a powerful position in the school that the student just doesn't have. Yeah, I can't like these school systems are very corrupt, I'll be honest. Like they're very corrupt in it. Like as in a lot of these organizations are very corrupt in it. Any organization to do with governing body, a lot of them are very, very corrupt. Is it corruption or is it just racism? It might be a mixture of both to be <laughs> Yeah, I can't like it might be a mixture of both to be honest, because it's like I don't know about what I don't know what these teachers think in it, like these white teachers might think, right? Like, I know, like, I, there's a couple of white teachers that are genuinely some of the safest people I know in it. Yeah. But it's like a lot of them, I would say maybe like a majority, I dare say a majority of them might feel like they're better than those that they teach. And because they have that title teacher, they might feel like the gods of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that doesn't make sense, yeah. If you're going to talk about racism, yeah, it's like, if you look at stuff like, if you look at events like Windrush, events like that, yeah, and if you look at some of the buildings that have been built, like some of them, these crazy buildings that have been built, they have been built by black people. Facts, period. Yeah. So it's like, 
if these brothers have built up the world around you, how can you still be racist? It doesn't make any sense. Because even if you're not looking at it as like, ah, cool, these guys are black people, they're different to me, blah, blah, blah. Forget that for a second. Bro, these guys built the world around you. So how the hell do you not want to be unified with them knowing that they built the world around you? I would say white supremacy. I was thinking of it more like Britain, empire, extracted the wealth from all the colonies off the back of black and brown people, built up the country. Those countries, as a result, were not built up. And that system continues where white people are in a position of higher economic prosperity and it is in their best interest for these things to continue. So why have unity when unity means your loss of power? Yeah, but this is the thing, yeah, that this whole power thing is, that the whole power thing is silly, like, as in, that really and truly, the way the world actually should be run, yeah, is a way where people, everyone within the world can actually have some form of say yeah mm. and people know nonsense from sense do you understand yeah so as long as what you're saying is a mm. sensible input to the way it should be run racists think they're sensible i don't know what to call them in it but <laughs> whatever mess them are not on i don't know what i just i don't know what's going on in it it's like it doesn't make any sense in it and it's like what makes it worse is they don't want to look into themselves to try and make sense of us do you get it because they don't feel like they need to. Do you understand? When you say they, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the white supremacists. I they think don't... white people, period. I think when we talk about racism, it's like, we never talk about whiteness. What does whiteness mean? Because we can't talk about blackness. Obviously we can, but blackness and whiteness, they're relational to each other. Mm. Like, we need to just dissect that a bit more because white people, they think racist, they think it doesn't apply to them. When really and truly your power that comes from a white person is because of, yeah. A contract that you created but i think we should yeah maybe wrap up the conversation because <laughs> i don't want to yeah but anyways so i have a question for you that mm. i want to end on which is what are your plans for the future and what keeps you motivated what plan for the future is that in terms of career path is that in terms of so career path i've currently got some music stuff i'm working in the background i'm also an author as well plug your book please um, basically a book that was written by me, a few other young people, and my mentor, Kieran Fapper. You can find it on Blackwells, Amazon, Waterstones, most bookstores. The book is called Cut Short. Buy it. Give it a read. Write a nice little review about it. Tell us what you think about it. And hopefully we've got more books coming or something, a link to the books coming around, um, sent around youth work. Because the main reason the book was written was to kind of bring both of us together so the world of youth violence and the world of people that don't know about youth violence and just bring them together in one book that was the point of it in terms of future plans yeah i've got music in the background there's a couple businesses a couple different businesses i want to start up one of them being almost like a black based startup business firm where i can find a way to support up and coming black businesses that's just one of them there's a lot of different other things I've got in the pipeline. But yeah, the first thing you'll probably get from me first is the music. I go under artist name Ripper, R-I-P-P-A. So yeah, look out for that as well. And yeah. Awesome. What keeps you motivated? Yeah. Oh yeah, what keeps me motivated? What keeps me motivated is myself. And I don't say that in a um, vain way. I say that in a way where it's like, I know how much work I'm putting in for my community. Right now, I'm part of the VRU Violence Reduction Unit. 
a couple different companies have been given portions of money to run different projects within Brixton to be able to decrease youth violence. So because I know I'm one of the guys that's actually very actively involved in my community, that's one thing that keeps me driven. And because I actually see the effects that my work has on the youth that I work with, that's another thing that keeps me very motivated. And yeah. Awesome. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. The Black Then Black Now podcast would not be possible without the support of Do It Now Now, who have created the Voltage Revolution to give young Black London creatives opportunities and tools to give them a foot in the door. Make sure you keep updated on Black Then Black Now by following our socials at WeVoltage on Twitter and Instagram, where we'll be posting information about the team that has put this all together and exclusive behind the scenes footage.